Konnichiwa, Nihon Cricket Pod do Yokoso. Welcome to the Japan Cricket Podcast. I'm Alan Kerr, Head of Cricket Operations at the Japan Cricket Association. And today I'm joined by two former captains of the Japan Under-19 team. Starting off, we've got Marcus Thurgate. Morning, Marcus. Morning, Alan. Good to be on the pod again. Thanks for inviting me. Welcome back. One of the few people to make a second appearance. Uh, and debuting on the Japan Cricket Podcast, just as he did for the Japan Under-19s a couple of weeks ago, Koji Hargrave-Abe. How are you, Koji? Yeah, good, Alan. Great to be here. All the way from... Uh, you're in Napier, right? Uh, Havelock, North. Yeah. Havelock. Yeah, all the way down in New Zealand. So, uh, fingers crossed our tech holds up. So, yeah, over the course of the next sort of, I don't know, 40 minutes or so, we're going to chat a little bit about Under-19s cricket. Um, Koji, of course... Recently captained the under-19 team in Darwin at the World Cup qualifier, uh, where the team returned five wins out of six. And Marcus, in his youth, captained the Japan under-19s in 2019 and 2020 at the under-19 World Cup in South Africa. So, Marcus, I'm going to start with you. Uh, I'm interested to get your opinions, thoughts, uh, memories, I guess, about what it was like going into the qualifiers in 2019, because back then we hadn't played any of the regional opponents in, I guess it was about eight years. So you were going into a tournament against a group of teams that you had really no idea what's, what to expect, what the standard was going to be like. And likewise, you were bringing together a, a new team competing for the first time. So Marcus, what was it like back then? Do you remember in terms of preparing and um, getting ready to face such unknown opposition. Yeah, um, I remember it pretty well. Um, I was having a chat to um, Neil Dutte, who was the vice captain, uh, the day before the tournament. Like there was so there was there was like a lot of unknown going to the tournament. Obviously, um, we had a good preparation as a team, like playing against some senior teams in Japan, but we hadn't played anyone outside of Japan before the qualifiers and. Uh, we hadn't like it's same as every under nine tournament. You don't you never know like how well the other teams are prepared and what sort of level they play at. So um, we, we thought we were the underdogs going to the tournament and, and until like the first game, we, um yeah, it, like at the presentations and stuff, we felt like underdogs and we sort of like had the feeling um having a chat chat with um some coaches from other teams like they saw us as underdogs too. But then I think I said in the interview that we could be the um X factor of the tournament and we sort of ended up being. So um yeah, um. You know, I think all the boys are a bit nervous going into that tournament just because, um, you know, we had like a lot of unknown um, going to the tournament. Yeah, and um, likewise, as, as a team, you mentioned you played a few warm-up games and I guess back then there was only one player in the squad who was based outside of Japan and that was uh, Kento Otodobel. So I guess the guys knew each other but hadn't played a lot of cricket together. So how much was that uh, a factor, do you think, in trying to get the best out of the team? Yeah, um, I mean, as you said, we didn't play a lot of cricket together. We actually played a lot of cricket against each other. So we knew everyone's strength and who's good at what and sort of things. So um, I think when we got together as a team, like we gelled uh, fairly quickly because we knew each other pretty well. And like when we met Kento and what he brought was um pretty clear and um, pretty effective too. So um, he just started straight into it. And yeah, we, I think from day one, we sort of worked perfectly as a team. Roger, I'm going to throw those same questions over to you, mate. Does any of that sound familiar? You know, it had been four years since we'd played in an under-19 cricket. That's a whole new cycle. I don't think there was anyone in our team 
who was playing or involved uh, four years ago in a shot or had been around the squad, but hadn't been in it. Um, and of course, for you as a player, you'd spend a bit of time in Japan prior to the tournament, but, uh, you know, coming in fresh, getting to know everyone and no idea what to expect as well from the opposition. How was it in terms of, you know, trying to get yourself ready? Yeah, well, like Mark, I said, it's quite unknown. Um, but the preparation, I think it all leads up to maybe like the month before. So as you said, you know, we had the Futures League. So we all kind of met each other then. We also had a training camp for the under-19s. Well, I think we we got to play one game against the men's team and just get to know what everyone does, what everyone's like as a person. Um, and that's really what connects us as a team, I think. I think there was a difference at the tournament um, when we went to Darwin was that we were a team compared to others. Uh, you know, doing activities together, rest days together, going to the water park, just things like that really off the field, their energy created uh, winning moments on the field. So, yeah, that was really good. Um, but, yeah, just the, the preparation is hard with, I think it was five of us, half Japanese boys being overseas. Uh, it is quite hard to get everyone together, um, and especially the first game, a really big one. But I think that set the tone. Uh, how we how we actually did very well against New Zealand and yeah, see the tone for the tournament. Yeah, that's uh, said right beautifully into my next question. Ooh, a bit of feedback there. I'm not sure what that is. Um, but yeah, I mean, Marcus mentions game one, and, and you mentioned it as well. For for the under 19s back in 2019, we played Samoa and and won that first game by 170 odd runs. And as Marcus said, it was kind of going into that everyone thought that Japan might be making up the numbers a little bit in that tournament and suddenly expectations flipped around very quickly. It was a different experience uh, for you guys, Koji, in that, you know, you're up against New Zealand, a full member, and it, and it was, you know, a defeat by whatever it was, 140-odd runs, I think, in the end, which on paper looks like a big defeat. But I think certainly from watching back here and, and the vibe that I got, actually coming out of that, everyone was was extremely positive. Is that is that true? Yeah, that's exactly it, yeah, because yeah, uh, we all expected New Zealand to be this great team. Um, and when we actually got there and we had them six for 130, we were really in this, and they weren't that far from us. That, that was it, really. They they had a couple better players, but apart from that, as a team, yeah, I think we were just as good, connecting-wise. Um, yeah, it just really <laughs> went down to their depth. That was the only problem. But coming out of that first game, we realised... Yeah, we're we're a good team and we can we can do well here. Yeah, it's very much what you see with those full member nations is the the strength and depth, isn't it? When they got guys coming out at seven and eight and whacking runnable fifties, it's um pretty handy to have. Um, Marcus, from a a fan point of view and also a member of the Japanese cricket community, what were your thoughts after that first game against New Zealand? Seeing the boys firstly bowl New Zealand all out. Um, and then secondly, bat, you know, bat pretty deep in the game as well. Yeah, um, I think that exact game sort of brought all the Japan cricket community together because I think whenever we play like those nations like New Zealand, like you get some sort of interest from everyone. And then to see the boys like hanging there, like show fighting spirit, um, sort of um made everyone happy I mean like I think you're part of the uh, the Japan national team group chat too and all the boys were very happy and it sort of made um everyone I don't know very happy and like going forward to the tournament like 
because um, it's not only that. Like, I've got a the whole Japan cricket's got a big month coming up with um the qualifiers, and um I think the women's are having the qualifiers too. And then there's Asian games. So like, like you know, this couple months is gonna be big for Japan cricket, and like that exact game sort of started um building something big and um exciting for Japan cricket. So um I think it was a I mean, even that first thing, just bowling New Zealand out, sort of um, really got everyone excited for you know, what's coming for Japan cricket. Yeah, and, and Koji, you mentioned, you know, having New Zealand at 130 for six. Like, everyone was, was up and about, and, and Marcus mentions the, the men's team group chat. I'm in that as well, and it's very, um, yeah, there was a lot of noise on it. It was it was really, really good, and, and Sabarish is putting up little screenshots, videoing his, his TV of... Uh, of wickets going down and and everyone gets pretty pumped. I mean, did, did much of that transfer through to you guys in the group, the support that was existing back home? Yeah, 100%. Um, as you know, we had Declan, so he was showing us the chats after the game and it just really showed how much support we had. I, I didn't realise it. Um, I didn't realise how many of the boys would be watching, but support, yeah, it was it was amazing. And that, that energy went into our games, yeah. Yeah, right. I mean, we have to kind of, I guess address the the downer of the whole thing of course that in losing to New Zealand that meant that World Cup qualification was pretty much off the table um was that really discussed much in the group or was it really just a case of right let's let's go out and win the rest of our games and prove that we're the best in the uh the best of the rest of the teams here yeah that was exactly it as soon as we lost to New Zealand our, our tournament started now it was you know let's prove to everyone really that we are the best nation here um, apart from New Zealand, and and in, and coming second, it means that we are the third best team in EAP with Australia and New Zealand. So yeah, it, it it's just like point proven that we can mm. do it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I guess we'll, we'll move on to the next game, was Fiji next. And I guess moving into that game, there must have been a bit of pressure on that, particularly with the fact that they turned over Papua New Guinea in, in game one, which certainly from our point of view was a massive shock. Um, and then they, I think they'd had another win as well. Um, whilst we had a had a rest. Um, so coming into that game, what what was the feeling? Was there a bit of nervous energy around that, that morning? You know, they they ended up winning the toss and batting. How, how did that day kind of come together? Yeah, I know a couple of boys the night before in the morning were were a bit nervous just with them beating Papua New Guinea and that being an upset. But I think the majority of us didn't really look at the other scorecards like. I know myself, I was just, well, it's a new game. Anything can happen. Um, I know a couple of boys like that as well. So we didn't really take what much what they did in the past. Um, obviously, it's a, it's a completely new day. Anything can happen. So, And, yeah, I mean, we bowled them out for 80. So I think that worked, really. Yeah, definitely. And, and what were they like as a, as a group um, to play against? What was uh, the Fijians? Were they, were they noisy in the field? Were they, you know... Trying to trying to put some pressure on you guys. Yeah, it's so definitely different from uh, New Zealand, and I'd say most other teams, apart from Samoa. Even when they get a wicket and it, we've got ten runs to chase, it's their energy is unmatched. They they fight for everything. Yeah, and and they're so tight as a group that any wicket is just <laughs> yeah they love it. So it's definitely different, and the noise they create does put pressure on the batters. But as you said, we, we uh, yeah, bowled them out for 80, so it was quite comfortable in the end. Yeah, for sure. And I think, um, wasn't, wasn't that the game that, that Shotrell got his Pfeiffer? 
Yeah, that was exactly it. I think starting starting getting put into bowl first and then bowling for 80 with a short total getting Pfeiffer, yeah, that was just a big momentum lead into our batting innings. And um, that just shows the tournament that, yeah, we're, we're here to play. We're not just another yeah. team. Yeah, definitely. Now, Marcus, you've, you've known Shotaro for, for a long old time. And of course, you know, he was, as, as mentioned, he, he went with the um, Japan under-19s as a reserve player on our pre-World Cup tour to Australia. And, you know, he was he was pretty disappointed to, to have missed out on um, final selection around that time back in 2019-2020. So how pleased were you to see him, you know, producing a game like that and, you know, walking off, holding the ball up? Got a big moment? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I knew he wasn't used to holding the ball up because um, we also on the stream, um, Kaz stuff was, Kaz was um, telling him how to do, actually do it. But um, yeah, mate, it was um, great to see um, um, Shultaro do that because we all remember um, him as a, I think it was fi- about 15. Uh, he was around the group for that previous group. And he, you know, I think he actually got pretty close to getting picked in that tournament too, because he he was always pretty good. Um, he was his fielding was always up there amongst the group, and um, I actually used him in the couple of games that we had in in Brisbane as a specialist fielder because he was that good. And then you know, seeing remembering him from those days to um actually see him take a fifer on the international stage was um I was pretty emotional actually, and um I actually saw his brother. I think it was the day after. And I'm pretty sure that I was been um, texting him the whole time that he's telling him he's better now than his brother. So, <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny um, how things can change in four years. You know, I mean, when the article came out and they said I'm the sure that I was the oldest player in the group, I was like, you know, time does fly. And um, yeah, I mean, doesn't I mean to be honest, it doesn't surprise me because he's always loved this cricket. He's you know, whenever I would go to San Ice or short that all, and I, and I, I know he likes his cricket. I know he works very hard on it. So, um, no, it's great to see um, um, someone getting rewards like that. Yeah, it was definite echoes, weren't there, of 2019? You know, one of the uh, the Hirasuka brothers playing a a lead role in in the first win. It was um, obviously his brother Kazumasa was took took four for and made 68, I think, in the in the first yeah. game back in uh, 2019. So it was good to see him getting in there, and then. Yeah, we moved on to Vanuatu in the next game, and you know, Koji, this was when very much your uh, your crowning moment. Although you still didn't get MVP, I understand you kind of got uh, got, a little, got a little bit uh, hard done by on that one. But that was really um, the game, I think, that that grabbed everyone's attention um, in 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 a way that hadn't been done previously. You know, a win by eight wickets against Fiji was 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 nice, and it was a you know it was kind of set the ball rolling. But that that win against Vanuatu was a, a pretty big statement, um, and it seemed very much, certainly from watching on the stream, that uh, that you you were on from ball one, Koji. You came out and, and smacked two boundaries in your first two balls, and, and didn't really look back. Do you want to tell us a little bit about you know how it felt that day, and, and you know what it was like out there in the middle? Yeah, it was a bit funny actually. I wasn't feeling too good in the warm ups. Um... And then I picked up my bat and it was ferociously heavy. <laughs> so I went to my second bat and uh, first ball, yeah, I just, I didn't, I didn't really think about it too much. Just, just it was kind of sea ball, hip ball, yeah. And uh, carried on through there, but obviously it was all about partnerships. That was the big thing. Um, had people to bat around me. Chahaya did an amazing job of just, just staying in. That, that was the big thing, just staying in, building partnerships. That's what it takes for 50 over cricket. Um, 
yeah, it's one of the middle overs from 10 to 40, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, you, you brought up your hundreds and, uh, you know, what were you thinking at that particular moment? Did you did you know much of sort of the history around, um, you know, people who have scored hundreds or, uh, you know, just run, run makers for the under-19s or, or any of that stuff? Or was it more just game of cricket, like I was trying to score some runs for the team? Yeah, that's exactly. Uh, I didn't think anything about the past or the other 19 teams. I was just thinking, well, if I stay and score runs here, we're going to win. So that was kind of that was my mindset, my mentality in that game. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now that that's done, um, you know, looking back at it, is that that must be a pretty big source of pride. I mean, I'm, I don't know if you've read the numbers since, but that's the highest individual score by anyone in the Japan cricket shirt, um, and the first by an under 19s player. So. You know, it's uh, we, you know, we've got Marcus on here, and we're talking a little bit about the past, but um, you know, it felt very much like the under nineteen was was writing a new history, and, and very much painting a picture for the future. So, was that something that you, you kind of look back on with with a good amount of pride? Yeah, hundred um, percent. Yeah, I look back on that innings as kind of like a, was yeah, just <laughs> it's really good uh, to see the support after. I think that's what really hit me after the game. The amount of messages uh, from everyone, really, uh, everything on the social medias, yeah, it was just incredible to see, and I think that motivated everyone, especially Kiefer in the next innings. Yeah, the, um, well, yeah, 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 yeah. We'll come that to that. Yeah, it was, it was, it was quite something. We'd seen Vanuatu had been had been bowled out for I think thirty five by New Zealand a, a couple of days previously, but. Um, they had a rest, and I think we kind of expected them to, to bounce back from from that. So once uh, he forgot the ball in his hand, and next thing you know, he's taken seven for eleven, and yeah, again, an awful lot of excitement. What as captain? Um, what are your feelings when you you have a bowler just just running through a team like that? Because actually, he started off quite slowly, but uh, once he started pitching the ball up, the wickets were coming pretty quickly. And was it just a case of mate, you just you just keep going? Yeah, it was more of a case of just hit the stumps, bolt the stumps. It feels quite good as a captain, to be honest, when you put 300 on a team and you've got a bowler sprinting in, charging in, trying to bolt their head and take stumps. It's just, it's what you want as a team. And then you saw the energy in the field. It was probably one of our, definitely one of our best fielding games. Uh, I don't think any drop catches. And yeah, it just, it just all builds up to that one point where... Um, Kiefer takes seven for yeah, yeah. It was it was it was pretty special watching that. And you know, you've mentioned a couple of times the support from back home. How much um, do you think your trip to Sano prior to you know selection and and the tournament itself helped you in terms of just getting to know people and and building a connection with the Japan Korea community? I like I'm aware that you've been trying to come over for a couple of years, but you were due to come, I think, for the first time in 2019, 2020, but COVID obviously got in the way and has delayed that by three years. But, you know, that, that visit you spent, what, I don't know, about three weeks over here, four weeks in, in the build-up? Yeah, so, yeah, being a month, yeah. Yeah, how much of an impact do you think that that made on, um, yeah, for yourself, in, in holistically, but also specifically around the uh, responses that you got? Yeah, so it helped a lot, yeah. Um, meeting everyone. Uh, just the amount of yeah people I met and actually Japanese I learned as well that was quite mm-hmm. good. Um, but yeah, 
the men's team, uh, when I played the game for them, all the boys that I met from there, it was great. Yeah, meeting the Sano team, uh, also playing for the, the Vipers as well. Just everyone really kind of came together and I was getting texts from all these boys. So, yeah, it was really good. Yeah, and these days, this day and age with social media, it's uh, it's pretty easy to get in touch with people, isn't it? So you must have had messages from guys you probably didn't even know who they were. But um, yeah. it, it, that sort of whole vibe and, and atmosphere of positivity, it, you know, it does build, doesn't it? And and that took you into the next game. Um, after a big win, you then up against Samara, and it was a, a win by 134 runs, another half century for yourself. Um, it, it kind of felt almost a bit routine at that point. Is that fair to say, or were you still kind of trying to keep everyone making sure that the focus stayed? Well, I think it was a bit routine, um, especially after that big win against Vanuatu. We actually, I thought, uh, we actually got a bit cocky and it was it was quite good. It was like, yeah, we, we are better than them. And then we, we started adding more slips, more back pads. We, we came up with different field positions. Um, we're talking with Kendall back home and me and Kaz were making up plans the night before. It was actually really fun. We like we just kind of thought, you know, we're not one of these teams. They're just going to turn up and lose. We 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 were here to win, yeah. And that's that's how it started. Yeah, I know the commentators got pretty excited at uh, about pads being in, and mate, that does uh, does bring on. You, you took a couple of good catches in that game. Yeah, it was, <laughs> I, haven't, I, haven't, I haven't seen many bat pads taking a, a catch off a full blooded pull shot. So that was uh, that was a pretty good moment. Um, yeah. So then, following on from that, you know, we won that game by 134 runs. It was a big win, and then it was Papua New Guinea up next, and uh, it, it was a rest before the the PNG game. Marcus, I'm going to come back to you because you know you have your own history with PNG, having never had the chance to play against them. What what were you feeling like in those couple of days building up to that game? You know, we've heard from Koji just then that the, the team's getting a bit cocky and everyone's feeling pretty confident. Were you? Feeling the same, or were you still? No, I was nervous. I was yeah. nervous. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I called Kaz actually a few days before the game. And I thought, like, you know, you always see this happen. Like, you have like a few good wins, and then you know, you lose against some. You know, you see teams lose against unlosable teams, like PNG did against um, Fiji in the first day. And I, you know, although I was confident in the boys, like I knew that sort of thing can happen in a tournament like this. So. Yeah, I mean, I was nervous the whole time because, you know, you never know what sort of energy they turn up in and, you know, when something goes wrong and good or, you know, go the wrong way sort of thing. So I was very nervous um, going in. So, um, yeah, and you, as you spoke about my my personal history, I mean, it's not really only my history, to be honest. Um, I think Japan PNG thing's been going on for nearly 10 years and, um. Um, yes, yeah, but I was nervous, but um saying that I think we really made a made a big statement after the game that, you know, you know, we we we're a proper team that we can compete against you guys against PNG. And um, you know, obviously them qualifying for the last last World Cup and stuff like that, you know, we haven't had a great history against them and I think we really made a big statement there that um, you know, we're here for the fight and um hopefully that transfers to the men's team too. Yeah, very much so. It was um, 16 years that uh, we've been coming up against Papua New Guinea um, in in male cricket. So that's in men's and under 19s. The women started a couple of years later, I think. Uh, and, the, and no male team has ever beaten. And the women have got a few wins in the past. But um, yeah, I, I was very much like you, Marcus. I was, yeah, 
it, it was definitely a game that we all wanted to win. And I was definitely, you know, feeling it a little bit because you know that um, we, we'd seen PNG improve significantly. And Koji, it's it interesting you said earlier that you hadn't been really paying too much attention to the other scorecards, um, which I guess is probably quite a good way to go about it. You know, I was filling myself with as much information as I could. I hadn't seen PNG play, but I'd seen them post, you know, 200 plus a couple of times. And I figured that them, them getting bowled all out for 60 by Fiji was probably a bit of a freak occurrence. And so that, you know, maybe they, they came off the plane a bit cold and just got, got caught in that first match. But um, going into that game then, Koji, you know, we uh, we see them win the toss and bat. You, you said that you'd been, been sort of coming up with plans and stuff. Getting them all out for under 100, obviously a great start. Um, at one point, I think they were they were 60-odd for six, and it looked like might be out for, for even less, and a couple of guys played a few shots late, late on. But um, I guess at the change of innings, again, was the feeling, oh, this this will be a walk. Was it similar to the Fiji feeling, or was there a bit more feeling that there was a bit extra riding on that game? Uh, I think before the game... I think our confidence got knocked a bit just against Papua New Guinea. Uh, we, we kind of reset. I think everyone was nervous. I know myself, I was nervous. Uh, Papua New Guinea, with our history with them. So, yeah, winning winning the toss and... Oh, sorry, losing the toss and we got put into bowl first. wasn't too bad for us, to be honest, because, you know, we can break the nervous energy with our fielding. So, and, and it did work. We ended up doing really well. Um, we knew they were... A, much better team than the other teams we've faced. The energy and the warm-ups, you could hear them. Uh, yeah, and as soon as they came out to bat, they were running at our bowls, which is just different. And I don't think I don't, any of our bowls have bowled to that yet in this tournament. Um, yeah, so I think the, the thing was, though, as soon as we got a wicket, we got another one. And that was mm. it. We just kept the squeeze yeah. on. Because it was a day-night game as well. So you didn't start until after lunch. I guess that almost makes it worse in that that sort of nervous energy in the morning just lasts a bit longer and drags out a little bit. Yeah, definitely. The nervous energy, it just, it just kept going. Yeah. <laughs> the boys were getting to breakfast early and they had three hours to kill before the game. Yeah. Yeah, right. But at the, at, at the innings change, I think it was a bit different to the Fiji game. We knew it wasn't going to be a walk in the park, just chasing 80, two down or whatever it was. Um even though we did chase it down in the 30th over, it was it, the scorecard didn't really showcase how hard that game was. Uh, yeah, Papua New Guinea, great, great fielding, great bowling side. So it was much harder than the scorecard showed, yeah. Yeah, and from your point of view, a rare low score in the tournament for you that day. What was it like sitting watching? What was the feeling amongst the group as sort of Aditya and the rest kind of edged towards the total? Yeah, I mean, it's always hard watching from the sideline and you love to be out there, but it's the thing you just got to, you know, as captain, you got to get the boys together. I think that's the most important part of a, of a small run chases like that. It's one big partnership and you win the game. So getting the boys together, everyone in the dugout um, and learning who are the good fielders, what's the pitch doing, what are the bowlers doing. And yeah, I think that won us the game, really. That, that was the tipping point there. Yeah. And what was the vibe after that one? Did, was there a real acknowledgement from the group of of how much that game meant to you as a team, but also to you know the Japan cricket fraternity as a whole? Yeah, it was a big one for us. We definitely let it soak in that night. 
uh, with the rest day the next day as well. So, yeah, it felt like we did we we had a really big win, not just for us but for Japan Cricket Association. Yeah, it felt really good. And Marcus, how was it for you, mate? That was uh, I know for me, I was able to crack open a couple of beers and uh, finally lay some ghosts to rest watching that one. Was it a similar experience for you? Yeah, it was nice and cold. My kiddings. <laughs> <laughs> It only took me about twelve seconds to um get through the first one. So yeah, it was I was so happy. Um, as I said, I was so yeah. The day night game meant later start meant you know nervous morning. Um, I was I was at work actually. I was working, but it was so unproductive that day. Just just <laughs> been so <laughs> nervous all day. And um yeah, um just finally getting that done. I think we you know it was like a statement made and all those feelings that I had for about four years now I sort of like you know gone now which was you know pretty emotional day for me and um I think a lot of credit has to go to Dino as well because um I think a lot of times chasing long scores like that you can sort of try um bash your way out of you know you know those tough scenarios I think a lot of boys really had the Dino DNA of um you know fighting hard for those runs and um I think we really saw that from um, guys like um, Adit and Nikhil during the tournament that you know, they really had to um, had to um, um, there was no easy way out um, scoring runs and um, I think we really saw um, some fighting efforts from those boys. Yeah, I saw Dino this morning. Actually, it's his first day back in the office today. I had a quick catch up with him, and, and he said, you know, at the change of innings in, in that game, he's like, guys, it's only ninety. <laughs> It's yeah, yeah. It's a good side, but it's it's only ninety. It's you got fifty overs. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think it's probably worth just running through some of the some of the background for those who don't know. Of course, Japan qualified for the twenty twenty World Cup courtesy of a, a PNG forfeit. So Marcus and his merry men never never got to actually go up against them in the field. And and there were, you know, not not a lot, but there were definitely people saying when we were at the World Cup, "Oh, you're only here because." PNG forfeited yeah. that game, and that was definitely something that never sat easy with me. I think as a group, back at 2019, we all felt that we had a team that, that could have beaten them. Um, and going into the game, it was, you know, sure they would have been favourites, but I think that there was uh, a confidence in the Japan team that, you know, on our day we probably could have turned them over and, and qualified by right. Um, and then, as you've already alluded to, Marcus, uh, I think for me. That, that was kind of a footnote, but for me, the, what happened last year and and so many of our guys, you know, Kiefer's older brother, Lachlan, Declan, obviously part of the, the coaching staff on this tournament, um, you know, and, and, and a few others as well, Ryan Drake, Kento, uh, Shotaro, your own brother, Marcus Ashley, guys who would have been involved in the under-19s the previous cycle, who then missed out because the place that the World Cup was given to Papua New Guinea, um, you know, so to, to be able to then make that statement win by saying, actually, you know, this current crop of players, that the work that's been put in behind the scenes over a long amount of time is, is paying off now. And there's cricketers from Japan who are looking to to take over and, and hopefully be the dominant force in the region. And, and PNG deserve a lot of credit for what they've done over a long period of time. But it does feel... Hopefully, with this win now, that uh, you know that the balance might be shifting a little bit, and that Japan are, are going to be consistently strong. And I think that kind of leads into to my next point was around the general age of the side, coach. I mean, you're only you're still only seventeen, right? Um, 
So even as a captain, you, you, you're pretty young. Unfortunately, your birthday falls just the wrong side of the, the cutoff point. So this will be your only qualifying tournament. But seven of the, the 14 will, will be around in two years' time for the next uh, next qualifier. And of course, by winning against PNG, that all but guaranteed second spot in the tournament and the structure for qualifying will change um, from next year. So there won't be um, one big tournament in going forward. It will be two divisions. And by finishing second, Japan guaranteed a place in Division 1, which means that uh, in two years' time, we'll play the Division 1 qualifier, which which could only be two teams. We're not quite sure what that's going to look like yet. Um, but uh, it also meant PNG were relegated to fourth in the table, so they will definitely be competing in Division 2, which you know is something that... Um, I'm not sure they would have been expecting coming into the tournament uh, and looking ahead to the future for their own programs. So, you know, it's definitely a win that, that, that had significant repercussions. And, um, you know, from from everyone at Japan Cricket Coach, I'd just like to say congratulations and, and thanks very much for getting that one done. Um, definitely meant, meant a lot to, to a lot of people back here. Of course, the tournament wasn't done yet. And in many ways, uh, the highlight was still to come um, in the next game when uh, Aditya Fadki, the... Uh, what seventh choice bowler decided to run through Indonesia. That that Indonesia yeah. game was um it was a tough one to watch, to be honest. Um they very much had a, a style of play that they were committed to, which was to bat the 50 overs. Uh how was that as a captain? How did you find managing that and managing the bowlers? Because there weren't a lot of runs coming. Were you were you happy to build dot ball pressure or did you feel like you needed to find ways to, to take wickets to to get the game done. Yeah, I think it is quite hard when they have no intent because then you can't get wickets with uh, catches and that because they're not actually looking to score runs. The only way you're really going to get them out is if they miss a good ball. And I think by rotating bowlers, that was probably the key <laughs> with bringing Aditya on and just changes of pace. Cause you, can you can face Kiefer... Who's just going to put it on the length, but when you have someone else at the other end who's bowling significantly slower, yeah, it's definitely going to draw them out. And it is hard when someone is standing there getting 25 off 100, but it's kind of a thing you just have to get through the eyes and just get through it. Yeah. And uh, what was the feeling then? Um, it was like the 32nd, 33rd over, I think, when Aditya with his. First two balls, he manages to, to nick through the defences. Field all come in for the hat-trick ball? Yeah, Field did come in. Yeah, definitely. We just wanted to get over and done with at that point. Yeah. Now, Adich is, you know, he, he, he's not the loudest chap. He's, he's a quiet lad, but I definitely reckon that's the most exuberant I've ever seen him when the finger went up for that third one. What was the, you know, what was that like? Talk us through what the chat was out in the middle, both, you know, pre-hat-trick ball and, and posts achieving it? I think there's a lot of emotion from Aditya. It was the most I've seen in that whole tournament. <laughs> um, I think he doesn't expect a bowl, so when he does get a bowl, he does grab his opportunity. Um, but yeah, I think just grabbing that hat-trick really really set us up for that second innings. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and Aditya again was... Managed to see at home that that day, 40, 42 not out. I think it was something like that. Um, a really, really great day for him, and, and a great way to finish the tournament. Um, I know that you uh, 
you had a flight booked for like midnight that night. So it was a bit of a, a cut cut and run for yourself. And I think a couple of other players were in the same boat. But come, you know, the end of the tournament, I know New Zealand had already gone. They'd left like two days earlier. So did it feel like um, the tournament had fizzled out a little bit? Or was it by winning that game and, and with Aditya doing what he did, was it uh, a nice note and a, a celebratory feel at the end of that game? Yeah, it felt really good. I actually felt like we kind of went, uh, we won the tournament because New Zealand weren't there. Yeah, you're the best team left, right? <laughs> exactly. We were the best team in Darwin at that point. So it was a really good feeling, um, especially at the ceremony, getting the praise we did from the announcers from the NT Cricket. Yeah, they gave us a special kind of talk, and it was a, it was a good feeling, yeah, because we did work hard as a team in that last game and in all games. Yeah. And um, for your own personal point of view, Koji, how excited are you about sort of what the future holds from a, from a playing perspective for yourself? You know, the, the goals from now, uh, I guess, you know, you're back in New Zealand now and you'll be kind of going into, well, you're smack bang in the middle of winter, aren't you, at the moment? So you'll be preparing for, for next season. And then when do you think we might be seeing you back in Japan? Yeah, I think there's a lot to cricket to, a lot of cricket to come. I think that's what I can say. Um, and hopefully... Yeah, next year during Futures and the JPL, I think that'd be a perfect time, which I came this time this year. Hopefully get a couple of games for a club, maybe Sunno. I'm not sure yet. Um, but yeah, it'll, it'll be good fun and a lot of cricket to come. And I'm really excited, especially with this group that just came through the 19s with all the halfies and all the boys here. I'm really excited to catch up with everyone because, uh, as you know, I can't actually speak to all the boys back in Japan. Uh, so yeah, it'd be good good to catch up and good to play some more cricket. Yeah, Marcus, from, from your point of view, plenty to be excited about looking ahead for Japan cricket. Oh yeah, I mean definitely. Um, I think I was actually texting Kendall about how uh, combined eleven with our uh, my under nineteens and Koji's under nineteens look, and mate, I'm telling you, it's a pretty good team. So um, Japan cricket's got a good ten years coming up, I think. Yeah, it's good. I was um, I had a couple of messages, and, and Dino actually told me. A, story this morning as well about um i think jamal who's one of the uh assistants from vanuatu was over there um he's, he's involved with the men's team and, and works with vanuatu cricket and was over as like, either a team manager and assistant coach or something and he was asking do you know how many of the uh under 19 squad are, are in the current men's squad and um was was pretty shocked when dina said that, that none at present and um he, he was his eyes bulging and was asking how good our men's team are going to be. So, yeah, exciting times and looking forward to seeing, I'm sure it won't be too long before a handful of those guys who played so well in the uh, in the tournament are pushing for places in the, in the full men's squad, you know. For you, uh, Koji, I'll, I'll give you the last word. You know, there was there was a lot a lot of positives and a lot of, of standouts. What was the, if you could pick one moment as your, your standout moment, what would that be? Um... I think there were a lot of good moments, a lot of memories. But I think at the end, uh, sitting down at that ceremony, knowing that you know we represented our country, and we really showed how good of a team we are, and how JCA is just it's just going to go up. Uh, that group that I captained, yeah, I hope to captain them again. That was a awesome experience, and just an awesome team. And I'm really excited for the future. We had an awesome time and. Really good blokes. So that was a yeah, good time. Oh, very mature answer, mate. I was just thought you were just going to say you're 100. 
Um, yeah, it was definitely um, one of those moments watching uh, watching Hudo Take uh, get get the MVP award against um, Papua New Guinea for his, his Tarifa was, uh, you know, the, the the smile as he's standing up there collecting his MVP was, was a memory that will, will stay with a few of us. Look, guys, thanks a lot for joining me today. It's been great to chat. Again, Koji, well done. Uh, Marcus, thanks for sparing the time. I know you've got uh, a busy work day going on, so we better get back to it on the Monday morning. But um, it's been really good having you guys on to, to relive the tournament. And, yeah, long may, long may the winning runs continue. Cheers, boys. See you soon. Yeah, cheers, all. Hello, all. Me again. I just thought I should return after my chat with the boys to cover one thing we did not talk about specifically in the interview, which was why New Zealand were at the qualifier in the first place. The qualification process for the Under-19 World Cup actually begins with the results of the previous event. Those who have followed the Under-19 World Cup in the past will be familiar with the format in that everybody finishes with a defined place through a playoff system, which is great for the participants as it guarantees each team a set number of matches, but it also helps the ICC when it comes to qualifying for the next event. The top 11 teams are guaranteed entry for the next tournament, while the last five qualifying places go to the winners of regional competitions which are held in Africa, Asia, Europe, the Americas, and of course our own region, the East Asia Pacific. Now technically, our region includes Australia and New Zealand, so when the Kiwis were unable to travel to the 2022 tournament due to COVID restrictions in their country at the time, the ramifications for that with them having to take part in this qualifying tournament for the 2024 edition in Sri Lanka. There remains only one place available for the region, which is why Japan got a bit of a raw deal. Now, most of my regular listeners would have heard me absolutely raging about how the ICC determined qualification for the previous Under-19 World Cup, which is alluded to in the chat here and covered in depth in Season 1, Episode 7, if you'd like to go back and listen. On this occasion, however, I am going to cut the ICC a little bit of slack. The proper process was followed, and it would have been unethical to just gift New Zealand a place at the tournament because they are a full member. Sport should be decided on the field of play, a point I make vociferously in the previously mentioned episode. Funnily enough, the real winners here are actually the Americas region. It was the West Indies, who as hosts, finished 11th in the 2022 Under-19 World Cup, and we assume that had they participated, New Zealand would have finished above them. Had that been the case, then the West Indies would be qualifying this time, with Canada likely to be the unlucky team missing out. That's all open to debate, of course, but that happened in the last tournament thanks to the UAE and Ireland having really good tournaments and finishing ninth and 10th, respectively. So neither of those need to qualify this time around. So that's the reason. Of course, it still sucks for Japan because this is a group of players who absolutely deserve their shot at the World Cup. But, as we said in the show, the future looks bright, and hopefully Zimbabwe and Namibia 2026 will be our opportunity. But, as always, we have to earn that right on the field first. Thanks for listening, and I'll be back in due course. Arigato gozaimashita.